Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 37, we discuss the preeminence of truth. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Things have been uh, chugging along here. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Things have finally started slowing down a bit after a busy summer. But today we wanted to talk about this Facebook post that's been kind of making the rounds. It's written by John Cooper, who is the lead singer of the Christian metal band Skillet. And before we get started, I just wanted to say that in no way are we trying to endorse Skillet or John's views or anything like that. We're just discussing some of the things that he said and the impact that they have on us as a church and us as creatives and things like that. Skillet does a lot of great things. They do some things that we may not agree with, but that's not what we're talking about today. Right, Tim? Correct. So the the main thrust of the article is talking about how there's been some fairly prominent christian creative types some songwriters and authors and things like that that have very recently renounced christianity and are trying to kind of pull people with them in their the new direction they're heading john had some fairly strong things to say about that and and his own kind of conclusion that we need to be focusing more on truth and biblical truth and less on making the inconvenient parts of the bible kind of fit into our culture by kind of shoving them out or something like that is that a a fair summary tim right yeah and one of the big points that he's making is a lot of people or where he sees the fault is a lot of people are making young leaders whether it's it's worship leaders or influencers or whatever, the cool and relevant people, those are the ones who supposedly now are the face of Christianity. And when someone in that age group then makes this what they see as a brilliant conclusion that, oh, well, God must not be real and everything that I've learned must not be right because what about all these other things that are happening in the world? As if sin was somehow new for our, you know, our time period as opposed to anything before. Yeah, and one thing I did want to mention is it kind of may seem silly because we're two guys in this age group that he's talking about, the kind of younger generation, and we're, uh, we have the audacity to have a podcast where we talk about things. But that's never the goal of this podcast has never really been to be thought leaders or influencers. We view ourselves more as kind of conversation starters, and we're not as much talking about doctrine as much as we are about creativity and things like that. So please don't take this as, as us trying to force our our views on you or anything like that. We're just here to to start conversations more than anything else. So as I was mentioning before, these people claim to kind of have this new revelation or something that's come to them where they're saying like, you know, I've been doing this for the last 20 years or whatever. But now suddenly it's like, oh, I've just realized that I have a new truth and I have made my own thing. People, I think when you try to find your truth or you learn about truth, sometimes just from singing a modern praise song as opposed to from, you know, actually hearing God's word or hearing scripture preached and its truth and purity. If you don't have that as your basis or your foundation, I think that's where it's easy to be on a shaky foundation. And you know, that kind of hits directly at us with, as songwriters and people like, we want to communicate clearly what we're saying, but is what we are 
communicating going to cause people to say, yeah, this is my doctrine? Or are they going to say the Bible is the basis for my faith? Yeah, he had a, a great line in here. It says, church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. And there's nothing wrong with, with praise songs. But as he, he points out there, like if that is your number one source of, of truth, that's going to be pretty shallow compared to the depths of God's word. But also, as you mentioned, kind of as creative types, again, if we wanted to write a praise song, there's nothing wrong with that. If we wanted to use that praise song in church, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing we were doing, I think we would be doing a huge disservice to to our congregations. And this this reminds me of talking to Caleb Schmiege, one of his catchphrases is, you know, he likes to write songs that allow people to sing the scriptures. And I think that that's great in that it kind of ensures a level of depth beyond just a, a simpler praise song that if you're actively trying to get people to sing the scriptures, you're, you're putting the word on, on their tongues and in their laps. And you're going to, by its very nature, be deeper than just some of the, the more shallow praise songs out there. Yeah, and I do think that's very important for for consideration, whether you're using your own songs and writing them or when you're picking songs. And I know that's something, at least you and I, Drew, that we have to take into consideration because we're choosing songs for our church uh, context. But you can think of it in any context. When you're listening to music, if you're listening to Christian music regularly, are you saying that everything I'm listening to and you're just going to listen to without not really thinking about what it means? Or again, are you listening intently? I think it's different when you're listening to music in your car or at home than when you're in a worship service itself. Because the music that is for worship is supposed to be for worship. And that's why not every song that you might hear on mainstream radio is good for the church setting. It's a great song, but there's certain places that it belongs. And that's where I think a lot of these people, again, thinking towards, if I'm going to say, I have this new revelation, and, oh, in fact, God is wrong about this or that. Like, I, I'm making this out of my own thoughts or emotions or feelings and not at all based on, on anything concrete. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the major arguments that's happening in, in this post. He talks a lot about emotions and moments versus truth and doctrine and how, you know, these young people, these worship leaders especially, are, and he even narrows it down to singers, are, are good at exuding emotion and, and creating these moments that are emotional within a worship setting, but they may not be as good at truth and doctrine, especially if they're the ones not only leading the songs, but writing them. And I, I think that's a very valid point. I think that there are certain things naturally that, that singers and musicians are, are thinking about more like emotion uh, and that they may not be thinking about others, but I don't think that it's they're necessarily like mutually exclusive. I think ideally we want to be singing songs that are full of doctrine and truth, but the doctrine and truth of, of, of God, of the Bible are emotional things. They are things that are going to tear at your heart. And so I think we, we don't want to tip or have the pendulum swing too far the other direction where we're so focused on doctrine and truth that we do it at the expense of emotion. Yes, we should 100% make sure that all our songs have 100% true doctrine as best as we can do so. But to do it without a hint of emotion 
That's why we have music in the first place. We say that all the time on this podcast. There's a reason that we don't just recite the lyrics to these songs. If you would just, in kind of a monotone, say the, the lyrics to how deep the father's love for us, you would be missing a good portion of why that song is so good. But I think that comes down to the idea of balance, you know, and having a healthy balance is knowing the, the truths of scripture. One of the other things that he mentioned in, in the post was talking about how, because this is such a public thing, there, I'm sure, have been other people who were, you know, supposed church leaders or whatever that fell away. But it's a different world that we live in because of the influence of social media and how many people are on it, especially in the younger generation, that when they make a massive post or whatever that says, I am disavowing my faith and here's why. And they are just going step by step, almost shouting it from the mountains that they are proud to to no longer be in the faith or to be publicly questioning their faith. And this has happened with the two most recent ones specifically, and I'm sure other ones beyond that. Yeah. And I even just that term influencer is one that is only really come into prominence in the last few years here, but that that is a thing that these people are looked to as people who influence other people's views and that they are using that position to not just say, not only is Christianity not for me anymore, but I want to pull you with me in this new direction. Yeah, there's a lot we could say on that. But what what I did want to kind of steer to a little bit is how this affects us or this this discussion and this these things that we're thinking about, how it affects us as creatives specifically. Because I think that this can be a barrier for some people in their creative endeavors. I think that that people can be so worried about doing it wrong that they just choose not to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm yeah. No, and I, I think that's a real thing. And and you think of that in anything. It's not just about being a musician or anything like that. But the kid who doesn't want to jump into the pool for the first time because they don't want to drown. Yeah, drowning is the worst possible thing that could happen. But there's all the great joys that come with swimming. That same thing is true about about us as creatives, whether it's writing or public speaking or or being a lyricist or being a composer. When we take that first step and say, I'm going to do this, don't do it alone. There are so many times when I'm writing a song or, or or writing something else, I always get it checked by like five or six people. Like, hey, does this say what I want it to say? Uh, Drew, you experience this. I send you stuff all the time. It's just like, does this phrase or whatever, like is, is this piece of music saying what I think it is or am I just being short-sighted on something? If I was trying to do it all myself, then I would fear for you know what it is, for for what I'm putting out there. But that's why it helps to have a trusted circle or network of of maybe other creatives or, or or elders or people that you can look to to make sure that you have you're putting out good quality work. Yeah, and, and I think that's so important. I, I don't think I will ever reach the point where I will not be doing that, where I won't be showing my work to other people, both from a, a like a purely aesthetic point of view, like, does this sound good? But also for, from a, a doctrinal point of view, like, I want to make sure that this is saying what I intend it to say, that it is not going to be misconstrued, or at least not easily misconstrued, because you can never fully, you, with any piece of art, you can never really control how someone's going to receive it. But you can do your best to safeguard as much as possible. But I, I don't think I'm ever going to reach that point where I'm not looking to 
mentors and and fellow creatives to you know to check it for me to make sure that I, I'm taking care of of the truth and the doctrine properly. But like like I said, I just I hope that this isn't a barrier for too many people because there are so many creative people within Christianity as a whole, but also even within our, our small little church body, the Wells, there are so many creative people. And I just, I would love to see as many of them as possible use those gifts in service to the church. Not saying that they have to, um, like we talked with, with Alison Shinnick a few months ago and, and she she does her own thing with how she uses piano and that's great but if you do have a desire to use your gifts in a creative way and in a way that serves the church i hope that you aren't scared off by like this notion that oh well i might get it wrong i might say something that's untrue okay well write something first and then have it checked and then like we're not just asking you to you know write a song this week and perform it in church without anyone having ever heard or seen it before. That would be unwise. But I, I, I would love to see more people be less afraid of this. And I say that speaking also very personally, like this was a big thing for me as I started writing music that I, I was afraid to write Christian music because I was afraid of doing it wrong. Yeah, I do think that's that's an important point. And say you, you do write something and maybe it's like, you know what, this isn't said very clearly. Don't get discouraged because it happens once. You can you can try hundreds of times and maybe you're gonna make fifty mistakes, fine. But we just want people not to not to be afraid to to put something out there or to to be creative, really express I like when people say flex their creative muscles as if, you know, because it, it, it takes so it's like a workout. If you want your muscles to expand, if you want to um, have, you know, get get bulky or whatever you want to call it, you need to constantly be lifting weights and working out. So if you want to to get better as a creative, you need to in you know, in those words, flex your creative muscles. Keep writing, keep making music, keep doing art, whatever it is. And and then again, like we said, have those people who are going to to walk with you side by side and make sure that that you know you're comfortable with it and you're putting out good quality work. And I think that's kind of one of my favorite things about about the community of Wells creators as a whole, but also more narrowly with like the Illumin songwriting weekends that we do. There's there's very much a feeling of camaraderie and we're all in this together because we're going to make better work if we work together, whether that be by encouraging or by checking our the doctrine or by collaborating or whatever the case may be, we're going to do better stuff if we work together on this and if we are, are pushing each other to do more and better stuff. And Songwriting Weekend is a great example of that. Just the, the people that have come back year after year have grown so tremendously in their gifts, and but also in their willingness to talk to the other songwriters there and be like, Hey, can you look at this for me? Can you help me figure out how to say this more clearly? It's just, it's been really cool to see. Yeah. I do want to get back to one thing that John Cooper says in the post. He says, it's time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling truth over emotion. How do you think that applies to us as young people and everyone else out there who's listening to to really rediscover the preeminence of the word? You know, how do we do that? What are the practical steps? Ooh, that's a tough one. 
I mean, the obvious answer is be in the word daily. It's it's pretty tough to say I want the word to be preeminent if you're not actually in it yourself. That's number one. Number two is I think I, I mentioned earlier this this whole emotion versus truth thing. I think, and I even referenced it a little as like a pendulum that's kind of swinging back and forth, and that it can go too far in one direction or the other. But I think that's a that's a bad analogy because, as I already said, they're not mutually exclusive. So I think that there are ways that you can you can learn the truth of God. And it will affect your emotions. Our God is a God of emotion. And if you dig into his word, you will find it all over the place. Most notably, his love for you. But every other emotion, too, is in there. So to not just kind of view it as like a dusty old textbook that just has a bunch of facts in it. But like it is something that will affect your emotions. And that's good. And that's okay. You don't have to be afraid of it but to not kind of deny that that emotion is there in the first place. Sure. And I think too, like we live in a culture really that truth is subjective and morality is subjective and the list goes on and on. So we have to realize that as the generation that we are and in the church, like we have to be okay with being different. We have to be okay with not conforming to the ways of society. Even Jesus, when he came, didn't conform to anything specifically so that he could tell people, I'm different and here's why. We have to be different. Yeah, and I think here's where maybe a little nuance is important. In John's post, he has this line about, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our culture by stifling inconvenient truths. And I agree with that, but I think there's a very nuanced way of saying something that sounds very similar, but is different. I think we should find creative ways to contextualize God's word, not to shape it and not, or or to change it or to stifle any part of it, but to make it so that it can be more easily understood by the culture we're in. And that's not changing it. It's just looking at it through a different lens, which we do all the time. That's what sermons are. It's just taking a piece of God's word and looking at it through a very specific lens. And I think it's very important in the culture that we have today, especially, to find ways to contextualize the things we're doing, not to change them, not to stifle anything, but just to help them make sense to the culture that we are in. Right. And that's how we come back to church week after week. It's not that there's only one sermon that needs to be preached. We want to keep hearing new things about the same unchanging word of God. And that's why we sing different songs week after week. You know, if we only had that one song that was the perfect song, well, great. But we have so many songs that teach us so many different things. And we have so many messages and sermons that teach us so many different things. It's not just about a one and done deal. That's why we don't aren't just born, baptized and die. But we have a life and we continue in this world to share the truth and to get the message that our God is real and our God is good out there. Wait, are you trying to tell me that the Te Deum is not the perfect song? <laughs> Sorry, that was a little snarkier than I usually am on this podcast. But anyway, but yeah, I, I agree. Like that's that's the whole point of, like you said, of coming back to church is that we're going to learn about God's truth and about the depth and the riches of it. And that doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one day. 
I think most people would agree that the the more you learn about God's word, the more you uh, realize how much you don't know. That the, the the depths are just so unfathomable that we'll, we'll never find the end of them. Well, I think we hit just about all of the bullet points I really wanted to touch on. Tim, did you have anything else? No, I think we covered it. Definitely an encouragement out there. Whether you're someone who's our age, someone who's older, or someone who's younger, always be seeing things through the eyes of Scripture and and make sure that that's where you have your faith is grounded in the truth of God's Word, not on how you feel on a certain time or what someone might say who maybe is more popular in the world of Christendom. Sure. And I also want, just like I started by saying that we're not trying to be influencers by any means, this is not meant to be, to be a definitive statement by any means. We recorded this in a very natural conversation, so it's possible that we phrased things poorly. If we did, we, we welcome any feedback from any of you, or just in general, any thoughts or, or, or rebuttals or anything that you may have about what we said here. We'd even love to have you on the podcast to talk about it if, if, if you've got something uh, you want to say in regards to this conversation. We're if not you, perfect. We're just trying. That's right. So if you want to keep the conversation going, you can reach out to us at our email address, heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com, or check us out on social media at Wells Creatives. And we thank you also for those who support the podcast through our Patreon at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. We thank you for your support, and we look forward to creating more great content for all of you. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. 